Welcome to the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast, episode 291. Greetings, everyone. Tom Brussell here. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, long-time subscriber, maybe somewhere in the middle, either way, we're just glad that you joined us. Our special guest today joins us courtesy of our friends at Callaway Golf. And who better to speak about the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach and the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach than Johnny Miller. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us, man. We greatly appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, nice to be on the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, before we get to Pebble, I wanted to ask you about the Open itself. You've got a rich history in that. You, you qualified, wasn't it your freshman year in college for the U.S. Open? Uh, yeah, I was a uh, uh, you know, junior member. At Olympic Club, and I, of course, I knew the U.S. Open was coming when I was 13 and 14. So by the time I, I just turned 19, I I qualified up in Utah. I got the one spot, I chipped in on the first expert hole, and then qualified again down at San Francisco Club, and got in. At sort of a local boy makes good, and ended up uh, getting paired with Lee Trevino in his first pro tournament. Nobody knew who he was, and he didn't say two words in in two days. And uh, <laughs> of course, that's that's changed a lot now, but uh, you get talked now. But and then I played with Nicholas on on Saturday, so I ended up, uh, you know, ended up finishing eighth, and that was that was a big turning point in my confidence in my golf career. And of course, I got I was able to have a, quite a friendship with Billy Castro, who ended up making that great comeback to beat Arnold Palmer. But yeah, it was it, yeah, it was it was good. So uh, the U.S. Open, I was always groomed by my dad too win a U.S. Open. Yeah, well, it, went, it came there in 72, and of course, that was Jack Nicklaus's year to win it. What, what do you remember about that? I believe you finished, what, uh, plus nine, I believe? You're 25 years old then. Yeah, I was I was seventh uh, place, but I was one shot off the lead when I buried another lip of the bunker on, on the par three fifth hole, going right at the flag, and I had to take an unplayable lie. And, you know, I had a good chance at that point if then two feet farther would have been right next to the hole, but uh, but uh, but I would have loved to have won at Pebble. That's the one thing I regret that I wasn't able to win the U.S. Open at Pebble or Olympic Club. But uh, but yeah, Pebble was sort of my spot. My wife says I can only have one girlfriend in our marriage, and that's Pebble <laughs> Beach. So <laughs> well, that was. That was 72, and then, and then lightning in a bottle the next year at Oakmont. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about that final round, but just to stray from your girlfriend for a minute, talk about that. Sure. Well, you know, I'd come fairly close. I was fifth uh, two years before that at Marion and seventh at Pebble, and I was sort of knocking at the door, and and, um, and I had the kind of game for the U.S. Open, and um, but I, at Oakmont in 73, of course, that's Arnold Palmer's backyard. I end up getting paired with paired with him Thursday and Friday, which, you know, is almost like a two shot penalty because it's not exactly the gallery didn't exactly stick around and watch me putt after he made a 20 footer. Um, you know, he was, the, the people were crazy about him all over the country, but especially in his hometown of Pittsburgh. So, so the bottom line is we both ended up shooting, um, uh, 139, uh, and we're a couple of shots off the lead and, I made it through Arnold Palmer and ended up. Um, there was a lady that kept telling me every day after the round, I'm, I'm, "You're going to win the U.S. Open. I'm never wrong. Never going to, never wrong. You don't have to worry." And then I shut. I lost my yardage card on Saturday. And in those days, the USGA in their crazy wisdom uh, wouldn't let you take your regular caddies, so they would just have people 
you know, sign up to caddy that didn't even know what they're doing. And the guy, guy had Lou Bodine was a caddy, but as he said, he'd never caddy for anybody who ever broke 90 before. And, uh, so when I, I left my yardage book back at the house, um, my, I told my wife and she frantically went back to get it. It was about a 20 minute drive, but, um, you know, I, I was five over on the front nine and ended up playing pretty good just to be five over. But, you know, the lady wasn't there by the way, after that round. And I was pretty upset. I was pretty upset because I was sort of thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe I am going to win the US Open. Uh, you know, maybe this is my time. And then after being six shots back after the 70s, 76, I was pretty dejected and, um, and then, you know, on Sunday, I was just sort of going semi through the motions and told my wife to go back and pack up and we got to get out of there as soon as the round's over with to make this flight. And, um, and, uh, you know, little did I know I was going to birdie the first hole, second hole, third hole, fourth hole. And I ended up hitting every green that day and, and had one of the best ball striking rounds that I've ever had. And, and I've, um, and ended up, you know, shooting that eight under par 63, which at the time was, that was the first 63 anybody ever shot in a major championship. So it was, that's a great way to win to beat Arnold Palmer, who, who he thought was leading. He looked over at the leaderboard. He was on 11 and I was walking up 18 and saw at the bottom of the leaderboard, John Schley, who he was playing with told me, he said, where the, you know, what did he come from? You know, and, uh, you know, ended up, he had to play one under the last, uh, uh, seven holes to tie, uh, to tie me. Uh, but he, of course he did not do that, but, um, that was, that was a sort of a heartbreaking loss for Arnold Palmer. Like he had at the U S open in 66 at the Olympic club. Yeah. Like you said, one of the greatest ball striking rounds in anybody's life, much less your own. And I hope you, hope you got that lady's phone number after it was all over and her address and her thank you card. <laughs> she never, she never followed up on it. She didn't say, sorry, I wasn't there on Saturday, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, nice going, you know, but, <laughs> Oh, John, yeah. Johnny, fast forward to 94 and back to Pebble beach. You're 46. You've made the career change. You've gone into the booth and something brought you out of the booth. What talk about that. And, and that was certainly a milestone moment at the AT&T in 1994. Yeah, I was playing in the uh, AT&T every year. I was only playing one PGA Tour event a year and playing very little golf. I mean, maybe a dozen rounds a year. Uh, and uh, but I always thought well, I always could play Pebble Beach fairly well, even when I didn't play much golf. And um, it was a pretty good story. <clears throat> um, I was playing nine holes with my boys um, a couple weeks before the before the AT&T at Pebble and, um, and I was usually there, I had a tough time beating him, but I had tried this new way of putting like Tom Watson with a stronger left-hand grip and a tight grip. And I started shooting like 31s and twos against the kids. And I said to the boys, my three boys, I, um, uh, yeah, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a chance to do pretty good at the AT&T next week. And they said, no, you'll choke dad. You know, you're not going to, there's no way you're going to be able to do it. And it ended up, ended up, you know, I was a grandfather at the time and, um, ended up that, um, I just played really well and, and, um, I got in contention. And the next thing I know, the terrible weather came in on Sunday and was blowing and raining and cold and came down the stretch to my ex arch rival, Tom Watson and myself. 
and uh, ended up uh, he three putted a couple times, sixteen and seventeen, and was able to to win that, which is you know it's not that big a deal, but to, for an announcer who was sort of uh, unusually uh, critical and talked about the choke factor, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I that that wind was big because a lot of people thought, oh, he's you know he's getting old and. You know, I was getting some criticism from the players, but after I won that one, I couldn't say too much, you know, not too often that you retire five years and become an announcer and you end up winning a tournament, play one tournament and win on the tour. That was, I always, I always wanted to do that. It was a guy named Paul Harney was a really good player. He was a club pro and he would come out, he'd come out uh, in the start of the year and play several tournaments and he won like the San Diego open. And I was like, I was still, I was young at the time. And I was thinking, now that is cool. You know, he'd come out of retirement, mm-hmm. you know, tee it up and, and beat all these hot shots, you know, and that was sort of in my back hip pocket that I, that was one of my goals was to win <laughs> like that. I was able to do that. So that was, that was sort of a bucket list win. Well, you mentioned the the change in your putting grip a little bit. Wasn't that the uh, Callaway Tuttle putter back then you were putting with? Yeah, it was that little tunnel putter was a heck of a putter. It really was. It was a really, it was a good little putter, and I was just sort of doing with the tight grip, little one-two stroke, not not real smooth like Patrick Cantley's stroke, who won last week. But it was sort of just a little one-two like Watson did, and it sort of took the nerves out of it. And um, it, it worked down the stretch, even with uh, you know the pressure of trying to win. So. Uh, and who would have thought the guy I was copying would be the guy I had to beat? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your girlfriend, Pebble Beach, and, and what's coming up. I mean, we've seen everything from, uh, you know, plus two with Nicholas in 72, and then you got Tiger shooting lights out. In two. What, what, do you, what do you see combining the U.S. Open setup and, and Pebble Beach? If you're a soothsayer, what do you see coming up in a couple weeks? Well, you know, Pebble, one of the greatness of Shinnecock, um, Hills and Pebble is you have to deal with weather. You know, it could be, I looked at the weather pattern at Pebble and it looks like it's going to be like a day at the beach every day. Every day is going to be like 71, 72, 73. I, I didn't see what about the wind, but dead clear, no rain. So, you know, they get, they should be able to do pretty well scoring wise. Um, you know, it's just all, the only thing that uh, you don't have to deal with the cold or the fog, it looks like. But you're going to definitely, there could be wind. Sometimes when it's clear, it could be windy. And, you know, when it's windy, especially from the south, you have to deal with a lot of those holes, like um, seven. Uh, and then you got the three hardest par fours in the world in a row, eight, nine, and ten. And so, you know, you you know, there's just, Pebble's a great course. You got to, you just, you have to deal with a lot of side hill lies. And, and those greens are a lot more sloped than people realize. Uh, and they're very small greens. And I don't know how much rough they have. I, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm leaving uh, this uh, Friday, so I'm going to get there a lot, you know, like um, six days or before the tournament starts. So I'll be able to analyze it. Hopefully, hopefully they uh, grew some rough with all this rain we've been getting in the West Coast, this rain, rain pattern. So I hope that they have some good old-fashioned U.S. Open rough. Well, if, it, if it's an iconic venue for sure for the U.S. Open, if you had to pick three or four courses to go with it to have a permanent U.S. Open rotation, what would be your favorite, Johnny? Uh, well, I mentioned Shinnecock Hills. Uh, you know, I, I said if I was the USGA, I would have tried to 
uh, have the U.S. Open go go Pebble, Shinnecock, Pebble, Shinnecock, and then throw in whether it's Swingfoot or whether it's uh, something you know Medina, Chicago every every fifth year. But I I just think that those two courses, Shinnecock's got that those great uh, holes, maybe the greatest holes in the United States as far as um, you know, just tough holes and, and wind and, and addition, same thing with pebble, but, um, you know, uh, you know, there's other courses that I, that I really like, obviously I like Oakmont and, uh, and, you know, even Marianne was really good and held up well, a shorter course like pebble Pebble's not real long, you know? Um, yeah, but they, they've added some big length. I think the I think the eighth hole is, um, our ninth hole is like 523 yards. If it plays into the wind, into the wind, the guys guys will be hitting one irons into the green on the second <laughs> shot. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny, you brought to us courtesy of our friends at Callaway. You've had a long relationship with those guys at Callaway Golf, and this I just read this week would have been Ely Callaway's hundredth birthday. Um, talk about that relationship yeah. and maybe some of your memories of that great man, Ely Callaway. Yeah, it was interesting. I was I was doing a golf school um, at Pebble Beach called the Ultimate Golf Experience. My good friend uh, Bill Fer- Service uh, put together, and I, I spent basically almost a, a full week with these um, a small group of people, and I'd play golf with them every day and go to the driving range. And one of them was Cindy Callaway, uh, Ely's uh, wife, and. I guess she was enjoying it, and she told either you got to come up here. I like this Johnny Miller guy, and and um, I didn't think I didn't know about that, but Ely showed up, and in, uh, at that time he was making clubs that had like wooden veneer shafts on the outside, and and he had the big Bertha uh, had uh, the Bertha driver, not even the big Bertha, but Bertha driver, and and he um, he came up to me and said, "Yeah, um, I want to play golf when the when the camp ends on." on uh, Friday, I went to play golf over at Cypress point. And I was like, okay, I, I don't mind going to Cypress. And, and literally, literally before we even got on the first tee, he wrote down this contract. He said, I want you to be our, our spokesman. I want you to do the commercials for us. Um, and I want you to take, a, I want you to take a lot of stock, which I told him I wouldn't take all of it, which was the biggest mistake financially in my life. But, uh, but I ended up having, Ben ended up having a great relationship with him. He was a an iconic, amazing salesman and um, and a, a, you know a good golfer too, for that matter. But yeah, that was a good that was a good run for for Callaway, a good run for me, and a good run with with Eliams. You know, it was it was I really miss him. I really do. I think about him all the time. Well, I look at your golf swing back in the day, and it's kind of like the modern day swing today with these young players. You got speed. You're almost coming off the ground. Where would a younger day Johnny Miller be with your swing back then with the equipment of today as far as distance and, and the ball today? Where would you I, be out there? Well, I played very similar to what these guys do. I hit the ball high and, and straight and <clears throat> I swung hard, and my left foot was hopping all over the place like a lot of these guys now. And people used to criticize me, but if you look at the long drive champions they all and the long drive uh, ladies, they all do the same thing through the ball. They they you know, fire that the hip hip up and um, and the feet jump a little bit to, to get more lift and and then my iron game was um, was really good. I mean, ever since I was a little boy, my iron game was was exceptional. And um, so, I mean, I I wouldn't have had any trouble fitting in. Uh, neither would 
for that matter, Lee Torino or Jack Nicholas or all the great champions that have won a lot of tournaments, they would all, all would have done just fine with the new equipment. It would have made it a lot easier with big headed drivers and, and, uh, you know, and the, even the, the way the irons are made now and, uh, the ball, uh, but, um, you know, the, the great players, even the Bobby Jones and, and, you know, people like that, um, would have done just fine in this era. No doubt about it. Well, Johnny, something new that you've got going right now is the Real Golf Talk podcast with Callaway Golf. Chris Harrison's the host. Share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's just um, I thought, well, I, I don't mind doing that with uh, Callaway. And I, I had seen Chris Harrison first on The Millionaire, and, and uh, I don't watch. Uh, I did watch last night some of the, the batch, Bachelor. Um, and it was Bachelor, then now Bachelor, but uh Bottom line is, is I watched a little bit just to see if I could see him. He, he wasn't on the last third of the show, so I was thinking, man, that's an easy job he's got, I guess. So you know, I'm used, to, I'm used, I'm used to when I was doing the announcing. I was on all the time, you know. But yeah, he does a good job, and and he was so easy to work with when I did the podcast. We did one take. There was no second take, no second take at all, and he's he's as smooth as Dan Hicks. He used to was my anchor at, at NBC, so I, I liked working with him a lot. Yeah, well, it's a great podcast. The listeners need to check it out. Hey, Johnny, we greatly appreciate the time today. It's great catching up with you. Final words for our listeners from Johnny Miller? Well, just enjoy the U.S. Open. This Patrick Cantley. I think a Californian is probably going to win at Pebble. It's been that way historically. Um, you know, Phil's won five times there. Tiger did great things and won there several times, as you know, in the best golf ever played in the year 2000. Um, but Dustin Johnson also won a couple times, but yeah, you just be you watch to see if a, a Californian ends up winning. But um, there's a lot of good players, obviously. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great U.S. Open. So you guys are going to be entreated to a great championship. And I hope, hopefully, Pebble Beach isn't just laying down with perfect weather every day. I hope the wind kicks up or something <laughs> to make it interesting. Yeah, on number yeah. nine, right? Yeah. 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 No, eight and nine. Those holes and ten. So that's good. Well, enjoyed being on the show. Appreciate it, Johnny. Thanks so much for the time. Okay, good luck to you. Bye-bye. On the eve of the U.S. Open, not sure who we could find better to talk to than the great Johnny Miller. Uh, And check out that podcast, Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller. Check it out, CallawayGolf.com. Chris Harrison's the host. It is fantastic. Give it a listen. And, of course, you want to make sure to check out the great Callaway Golf Equipment at WorldwideGolfShops.com and any Worldwide Golf Shops location. Well, special thanks to Johnny Miller for joining us, to our friends at Callaway Golf for putting us together, and to you, our listeners. And we'll do it again next time. We have another episode of the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast here at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone. Oh,